X-Ray FM, KXRY Portland at 91.1 FM, K296FT West Haven serving Portland at 107.1 FM, and K219KU Nehalem serving Nehalem, Manzanita, and Rockaway Beach at 91.7 FM, streaming live and archived at xray.fm. Radio is yours. And now, it's time for Blazer's Edge. Blake to inbound. The Blazers have a 20-second timeout. Nate McMillan deciding whether to use it. Blake now throws to Roy. Brandon, a three-pointer out front. Hit it! Yes, he did! Oh, yeah! Batum throws to Lillard. A three for the game. Welcome in to another edition of Blazers Edge Radio right here on X-Ray FM. I am your host, Ryan Buchanan. In a shocking turn of events, Mr. Sam Arnold is out this week on the road. He is on tour, headed up to Seattle now. But we've got Dylan Sage sliding in, stepping into the co-pilot seat. Uh, Stephen Glickman, of course, manning the controls behind the scenes, doing a fine job as always. But Sage, first things first, thanks for being here today, my man. Absolutely, man. I always enjoy when you hit me up 24 hours before <laughs> the, the the radio show saying, can you join? That's Sam's fault because Sam is not good about communicating when he's going to be out. But uh, 24 hours is, is pretty good for me. But uh, yeah, I appreciate you always being ready at the uh, at the drop of a hat. And I I incur- I, I wasn't going to talk a lot of draft, but I, I got to talk some draft to get you in here. Uh, but exactly. We, the draft is how you get me to talk about right. the other NBA right. stuff. It's a little piece of cheese, but we, we got more <laughs> that we got to get to as well because the NBA Finals matchup is set. We had a horrific Game 7 last night, which is just the worst thing. Is there a worse thing than a letdown Game 7 like that? Especially after an epic Game 6. You got all the juice going in this series, history on the line, and then that was just a, a bad game last night, man. I, yeah, I, I didn't really feel the need to like really pay attention after like the second quarter. So it was just like, all right, I'm 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 watching, but it's the Heat just kind of have this have this W in in store. I don't I don't I feel like the media is going to talk about Jason Tatum's ankle, yeah, as an excuse for the Boston Celtics, which may or may not be a good thing. Maybe maybe the 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 twisted ankle is the reason they bring it all back instead of tearing it all down. It so gives him a sense that, of hope that, that, might be that if he doesn't turn yeah. his ankle, they're winning that game. Yeah. Yeah, he turns his ankle on the, I, I believe it was the very first possession first of the player, game. Yeah. yeah, so a rough start for them. It was actually a decent first couple minutes for the Celtics. Uh, they got they got rolling. Jalen Brown got rolling, and that was about it. It was all heat from there. He just mm-hmm. dominated the fourth quarter as well. Bunch of different guys stepping up for Miami. Uh, most notably, Caleb Martin, who had himself one hell of a series and should should have been the Eastern Conference Finals most valuable player. But that went to Jimmy Butler. You kind of expected it wouldn't go to a role player uh, like Martin. But I mean, he Martin was, was not a role player in that. Well, series. fair, fair. <laughs> he was not a role player in that series. You're right because he was the best player in that series. And that was a, a big reason that Miami went, uh, that Miami won because Jimmy didn't have a great series. He had a good series, mm. but he didn't have uh, like what he did against the Bucks. He needed the help, and Bam had a really rough series as well. So the Heat desperately needed somebody to step up, and it was Caleb Morton. Time and time again, they've just had different guys answer that call, whether it's Max Struess, whether it's Gabe Vincent, whether it's Martin, and that's what makes this Heat team Duncan so. Duncan Robinson too. Duncan Robinson goes from being you know out of the rotation to stepping up and playing big minutes and hitting big shots. Yeah, just all these un- all four of those guys, by the way, undrafted. The highest the, uh, the Heat starting lineup for Game Seven. They had five of their five guys. Three were undrafted: Martin, Vincent, and Struess. The highest drafted guy was Bam Adebayo, who was fourteen. Yep. 
the last mm-hmm. pick in the lottery a few years ago, and then Jimmy Butler, who was a second-round pick. K-Love had to be the highest-drafted dude on that team, right? Uh, No, we looked this up. It was somebody. It was actually Cody Zeller was the highest-drafted. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but but he and, he and Zeller are the only two uh, lottery picks on that roster. Yeah. Or, well, Bam was late lottery, but, yeah, those were the only top ten picks on that roster. Love and Zeller. Love, who started the series as a starter and ended not even being in the rotation. And then you look at the guys off the bench, Duncan Robinson, undrafted. Haywood Highsmith, undrafted. Kyle Lowry, I think he was a second-round pick back in the day. I mean, it's mm-hmm. now they didn't bring him up, but it just, it just goes to show the Heat just have such – incredible scouting and, and they've they've overtaken the for years it was the spurs had the best scouting in the game mm-hmm. and the heat have taken them over and this series was was a prime example of you don't have to have those great picks um in order to build a good team you just have to be smart the heat to me are the are the tampa bay rays of the yeah. nba <laughs> yeah right where they just yeah. they keep finding these guys and it's and it's yeah i mean they took a chance on jimmy Bam did not look like Bam in, at Kentucky. Like he, he did not have the skill set, so they had to they had to make yeah. opinions about him and made judgments about what he can well, be. Well, he was he was a rim runner coming, yeah. yeah. And then like three, I think it was the bubble year, nineteen to twenty, that he really kind of evolved his game and he became a completely mm-hmm. different player. And that's when they took off. And then yeah, Gabe Vincent just a, a revelation, going to force his way into the starting lineup. Uh, and it's to the point where they're not even really missing Tyler Hero, but Tyler Hero or Victor or Vi- yeah, you forget about Victor. Uh, that's a that's a rough story there, Victor Oladipo. Yeah. You wonder if he'll even come back at this point. But- he, wasn't he your number one dude in 2013? <sighs> Probably. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I can't remember that far back. Who was the Who was the number one pick that year? Anthony Bennett. Oh, okay. That yeah, that was a bad draft. Let me let me go look that up now. I for, I forgot was, about that. It was Otto Porter, Anthony Ben, Otto Porter, Giannis was in there, CJ was in there, but it was Victor and I had a man crush on Otto Porter. Nerlens was my top guy yeah, looking Ner- back on that draft. Yeah. Nerlens Noel, boy, that was you want to talk about a awful draft. Uh Victor is, is the only yeah Giannis. Okay, Giannis at fifteen. So in the top fifteen, two players made an All Star game. Giannis and and Victor. The top five that year, Anthony Bennett, Victor Oladipo, Otto Porter Jr., the aforementioned Cody Zeller, and Alex Len. That's a very poopy draft. <laughs> that was bad. And that was bad from the start because Anthony Bennett was never – there was not a consensus number one pick in that draft. And No, 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 and no. That was kind of a – remember – It uh, was a surprise. Yeah, Bill Simmons yeah, the, lost his Bill mind. Bill Simmons was like, ah. Yeah, because it, you knew at the time, like, oh, wow, that's a reach. And then it mm-hmm. went even it went even worse than we thought it possibly could with Anthony Bennett going to the Cavs. Yeah, that's a a, a walk down memory lane. Oh, by the way, C.J. McCollum was number ten in that draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was I mean, I'm looking. He's the I think he's the best player in the top ten. You got KCP <laughs> yeah. trade because he's better than Oladipo. Yeah, I would well, say. he's also way more healthy too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with the injuries. Oladipo had a couple years where he was really, really good, but CJ's been more consistent. Yeah, other than that, you know, Ben McLemore. Auto Porter got paid. Porter, I mean, he had a good year last year. Yeah. Uh, Trey Burke, KCP. Number 11 was Michael Carter-Williams, who won the Rookie of the Year that year. Rookie and then of the Year. Never did another thing in his career, yet somehow keeps getting contracts. Steven Adams, Kelly Olenek, Shabazz Muhammad. There's a blast from the past. He was the last pick. I remember watching him year. at a... Uh, UCLA. Hoops, thinking he was awesome. Yeah, he was supposed to be really good, but he was a, a bit of a head case. And then, yeah, Giannis was number 15. That was the cream of the crop of that draft. By the way, Rudy Gobert, uh, 27 mm-hmm. in that draft as well. So the the lottery was absolutely awful. And then A lot of wasted money in that draft, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Yeah, and then the best two players end up being 15 and 27. Uh, so that draft is certainly not aged well. Uh, going back now, ten years, ten years ago now. But now we'll we'll go back to present day here after that. <laughs> yeah, walk I felt down, bad about that after that, that, that walk down memory lane. <laughs> We're talking about Victor Oladipo, and we got sidetracked. But wh- what do you make of uh, Hero potentially coming back? Sounds like Chris Haynes was saying after the game it could be Game Three. 
Miami's rolling right now. I don't know why you would mess up the rotation. That's what like, I'm thinking. I mean, we forget that Hero was a huge part of this team. But Hero with, had had like a Damian Lillard sized rotation or, or, or of usage. Yeah, he was the guy. Like he had the ball in his hands during the regular season. Yeah, yeah he was the guy. It wasn't so you're going to ruin everything. Yeah, I mean, this it is a com- this is a completely different team than we saw in the regular season. Mm-hmm. And they weren't any good in the regular season. That's when Tyler Hero was running the show. Now that playoff Jimmy's running the show, they're a completely different team. They're a, they're a much, much better team. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, it makes sense, right? He's one of your top guys. You want everything you can against Denver. But if I'm Miami, yeah, if I'm Miami I'm saying why mess with the chemistry right now? There's no reason we should be in the finals, right? And this, this run they've been on is, is so impressive because they've beaten now the top three teams in the league mm-hmm. record-wise. They beat Milwaukee. They beat Boston was number two. Philly was number three. Denver had the fourth best record in the league. The top three were all out east. And Miami knocked mm. down all three of those teams. They should have never been in that series against the Bucks. And here we are mm-hmm. there in the NBA Finals. So, yeah, if I'm Eric Spolstra, I mean, certainly you you put it out there. But I don't think you bring him back if you're Miami. If I he th- does play, he has to be very limited minutes. Like, he hasn't. Yeah. He hasn't. He hasn't played basketball in like weeks. He's no, not yeah. gonna be he's not gonna have the tempo right. Right. And I certainly don't think you could start him. You know, no. with, uh, you're rolling Cody, with your I'm starting Cody. lineup right now yeah. and you got Struce in there as well, helps space the floor. I, I yeah, I don't I don't think you start him. If anything, maybe bring him off the bench, but I'm at the point too. He I'm with high high smith's minutes. Yeah, High Smith is looking good though. I mean, I'm at the point right now where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, totally. Like they're not in. Tr- they're as good as they're gonna get right now, and I don't know. They're, Shaq isn't coming through those doors to defend <laughs> Jokic. Yeah. Well, they, and that that's the key, and so that leads us to uh, to you know we had a great game six in this series. Can we just say one really good game in this series? A bunch of clunkers. Uh, honestly, we, you and I were talking about before the show. Ironically, the four-game sweep of the Nuggets was a more intriguing series because all four games were close, whereas this series was pretty bad. You had the historical element where the Celtics became just the fourth team to overcome a 3-0-0-3 hole to force a game seven, but then they just absolutely no-showed 84 points. They had 15 points in the first quarter. I mean, it was just a, a brutal, brutal showing for Boston and Miami survives. And that just tells you all you need to know about this Miami team, right? Every ounce of momentum was back with the Celtics, and they still find a way to gut one out, and not just gut one out, but beat them good on their home floor yeah. and send the Boston fans home uh, disgusted in their own team. I mean, this is this is a, a truly incredible story. Yeah, let me tell you, the, watching that game, they're going to need more than the healthy Jason Tatum to overcome the heat because Jalen Brown was not good, and he had a hor- he had a horrific series for the most part. Um, and he's a guy who's been linked to Portland, and I know a lot of Blazer fans now are starting to have second thoughts on if that's a guy you want to go after. Long. He would, yeah, he looked bad. He had a bad series. They needed they needed him to be much better. You know, Malcolm Brogdon was banged up. You weren't able to get much from him. It was just a, a rough series for the Celtics. You had Tatum. You had uh, certainly Derek White stepped up, had some big moments. He was probably the best Celtic. He was the best Celtic in game seven as well as game six when he had the heroic tip in. Yeah. But, man, just what a letdown for Boston. Again, I mean, yeah, you can point to the Tatum rolling his ankle, but I mean, Miami, you look, just look at Miami's roster. I mean, there's no reason they should be in a competitive series with Boston, right? Mm-hmm. So I think to blame it on on Tatum's ankle is uh, is missing lazy. the market. Yeah, lazy, exactly. There's a good word for it. But so I got to ask you, before we j- jump into a preview of uh, Denver versus Miami, uh, where did the Celtics go from here? I mean, I feel like they're going to say we were one angle and drew away from playing in the finals. So I don't think they they blow it up. That's just me. Like I would try and improve around the edges, but that team is really really solid. I wouldn't try and blow it up. Well, yeah, and they did. That's this is what they did last year. They didn't blow it up. They they brought in Brogdon, who had a really good regular season. Yeah. Um, and and you thought like, okay, that could be enough to get him over the top, and it wasn't. So now I just wonder where they go from here. You know, if I'm not mistaken, Brown has one year left on his yeah, contract. Yeah, one year left. 
And then and that be... will get the super duper max. Right. Because um, he got an all NBA. Yeah, and I don't know that I'm giving him a super duper max. Like forty million dollars yeah, a year. Certainly not after this series. Um I just he's a really good player. He was a deserving all NBA guy, but I don't think he's a max player. Well, I mean, because he got that all NBA, it's just like he he's not accepting a regular max. He's going for like thirty five percent of your so it's gonna eventually be Jason Tatum and he is like seventy percent of the roster. Oh, well, you think they're you think they'd let him walk though if it gets that high? I mean are you really willing to that's a invest lot, that, that much? That, you have a lot of guts to, hey, Jalen Brown, we nurtured you. You were a total non-factor shooter, and you became something. Peace out. We're not willing to pay you. I don't. I think there's just too much connected with him in Boston. Too much invested. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But, man, I'd be extremely hesitant about giving him that kind of money. I it's mean, a- what happens to your depth once you give him that money? Yeah, it goes away. Gone. It reminds yeah. me of uh, – what the Blazers did with CJ, yeah, was like you're yeah, you're, you're good, you're not great, but we're gonna pay you like you're great because we don't want to lose you. And how that how'd that work yeah. out for nothing? How'd that work out for Portland? Yeah, I I mean Jalen Brown's at the point where he's good enough. You have to get something if he's going to leave. You have to trade him and get something for for those services. Losing him for nothing is just... Well, if you're going to do that, yeah, this is when this offseason, you trade him here, right? But the problem with Boston is they're looking saying, oh man, his value is not super high right now based on the series he gets. He goes 8 of 23. They desperately needed him to step up with Jason Tatum hurt, and he did not. He was unable Mm -hmm. to answer that call. So now, from a bargaining perspective, his value is low. Oh yeah. So We all saw it. We all saw it. Like, it's kind of like Brandon Miller struggling in the NCAA tournament. We all saw it. We all saw it, yeah. Yeah. And at this point, I'm not trading the number three pick for Jalen Brown. It makes me very happy for you, for me to hear that from you. Well, the number we've talked about last week, because we had you on two weeks ago before the lottery. We have not had you on since the lottery. But me and Sam talked about, and I think you'll agree with this on two-thirds points, there are three number one picks in this draft. No. You say there's two, but you don't like Brandon Miller. <laughs> but there's three number He's one picks. He's seven on my this. list. I like him plenty. Hey, your list is crazy if you got him at number seven. But there's three number one picks. And can you agree that in a lot of years he would be a top pick? Just cause, sure. Just because you don't like him, faster. everybody <laughs> else likes him. Okay. So you're going to get a number one pick. Uh, now, he's probably going to go number two. You think Charlotte will take him, right? I hope so. Yeah. Well, I I do believe Charlotte will take him. So you're basically looking at you're looking at Scoot Henderson if you're Portland, who is a you called him two weeks ago. You called him a generational talent, right? Yes. You don't trade a generational talent for Jalen Brown. No. This is the best point guard I've ever seen in in at nineteen. So if you're gonna trade this pick, if you're Portland, you gotta get a bona fide superstar. It's got to be somebody like a Joel Embiid. It's Jason Tatum, not Jalen Brown. And Celtics aren't getting rid of Tatum. I, I know. <laughs> yeah. They're going to say, how about Jalen Brown? And that's where you say, no thanks. Peace. Yeah, yeah. that's right. It's not Pascal It, it has to be a sexy name. It, yeah. it cannot be someone no. who works real hard and could be at all, a third team on NBA. It, no, we're talking top. We're talking the top NBA team. Like, yeah. all NBA first. A, a Joel Embiid type. I mean, that's yeah. the name that jumps out to me is that if you're going to trade that pick, which I think they should certainly look at every avenue they have because I think it's an incredibly valuable pick, if you can mm-hmm. get a real game changer, this is your chance to do it. This is your best chance to do it is with that pick, with, with you know a generational-type talent and likely a Scoot Henderson. And it actually helps the – it really helps the Blazers that these um, – Hornets got number two because they did not need a point guard. Yeah, they have Lamella. And Scoot has, you know, I I love Brandon Miller, but there's no question Scoot has a, a much. He is the guy. He is the second best guy in this mm-hmm. draft. And every seems like everybody views him for a Hornets is talking about fit, whereas you need 
you need talent. Your only position of talent right now is point guard. You've got to get it somewhere else. So they're probably going Brandon Miller. But Scoot Henderson, in 99% of drafts, would be the consensus number no one pick. It no just more. happens that Victor has it this year. So this is a hell of a year. To, you can't do much better for a third pick than what the Blazers have got lined up. Out, totally. You know, outside I'm, of getting number one, I mean, this is about as good as a number three pick gets, assuming that the is, assuming the Hornets take Miller. I mean, not every for, uh, the first overall pick is built differently from year to year. I think Scoot Henderson is a A tier first round pick in any year. Like Anthony Bennett as the first overall pick, which we talked about, is is the an F quality yeah. first overall pick, right? Scoot is an A. He is like. He's on, you know how much I love Cade Cunningham. He is on yep. the Cade Cunningham. I am not trading anybody for this dude. Yeah. that That's the level of number one pick I think he is. Yeah. So it's good to have options if you're Portland. That's going to be the question. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't, with a, with, a, with a pick like that, with a guy like that, it's probably going to be available at number three. You've got to, if you're Portland, you've got to, you've got to think of this as, as trading Scoot Henderson versus trading a draft pick. I think is how you've got really got to view <clears> this. And I'm not trading Scoot Henderson for Jalen Brown. It makes me very happy to hear you say that. And <laughs> That's the bottom line. Well, because you can't you can't screw this up, Sig. We've talked about it. <laughs> this is like your one... I know we've been saying it for a few years, but this seems like your last chance. If you're going to build a contender around Damian Lillard, this is your last chance to do it. If you can't get a really, really good all-star no question, all-star guy. I I do agree that you've just got to, at that point, take Scoot and see what happens. <laughs> it, it it feels a little risky, but I I don't. You can't afford to just punt and trade him for a pretty good player. That's that's yeah, where he, I'm at. He has to be a super duper star. He's got like, yeah. That, that that that's the thing. Yeah. He the, the player, and then you have to think about if we trade him for a super duper star, you're trading away all your depth. You're trading away every good player. Ants, Nurk. You got to make the contracts work. Scoot's not going to be able. Yeah, to Yeah, I mean, it. let's not act like they have great depth to begin with. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> but do you, right. I don't know if Dame and Jeremy Grant and uh, Embiid are going to win a chip. Well, there's a guy named Shaden still here too. Yeah, you're well, not. Did, you're not. You're not trading Shaden. No, no, no. We've talked about. It. Well, that, that's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. There's two yeah. guys that aren't getting traded, and it's Shaden Sharp and it's Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. And actually, if if you were to, I would I would say right now, there's a greater chance that you end up trading Damian Lillard than you end up trading Shaden Sharp. Yeah, I, I think so too. I don't think they're trading. I don't think Shaden either Sharp of them leave though. Under, no, not I don't think either of them leave either. But I don't think under any circumstance you get rid of Shaden Sharp here. All right, let's let's preview these actual finals real quick, and then we'll get back to your draft talk. <laughs> Yeah, you have to you have to cater to me because I'm a guest. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So we've got Denver, Miami. You look on paper, there's no reason Miami should be here, right? There's no reason they should have gotten out of the first round. So, that being said, you can't just write them off. But on paper, this is a landslide. Whereas, you know, I, mean, you've got, I just you've got don't know how they teams, But you've got, yeah, you've got Denver who's got far and away the best player in this between the two teams, and you really have no bo- nobody on Miami that you feel like can contain him. Not that there's many players in the NBA that can contain him. That's why he's a two-time MVP, and you could make mm-hmm. the case that he could have won a third one. It's not like there's a bunch of guys out there, but with Miami, you look, Bam Adebayo is realistically like 6'9". Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's good defensively, but he's just given up a lot of size. I just don't think yeah. he can physically handle... Um, uh, Do you think he gets Joker. in foul trouble very quickly every time, every game? Bam, yeah. 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 And then you're going Cody Zeller or Kevin Love or you're at seven. <laughs> yeah, you, well, that's the thing. Yeah, you have no depth at your big man position if you're if you're Miami, and that's what it's going to come down to. I think their only shot in this, and I will say Nuggets in five, because I think the, the Heat will find a way to win a game. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but I guess I I'm not gonna I'll give them a game based off what they're based off this historical run that they've had. They're the second eighth seed to ever make the NBA Finals. The first was the Knicks back in '99, who lost to the Spurs. The first of that uh, Tim Duncan 
dynasty in yep. San Antonio. And then they're about to start another one with Victor Wembignana. But mm-hmm. I so I'll give them I'll give them a game. But Denver is just clearly there's one position if you look if you go up and down the starting lineup there's one position where you can say that Miami has an advantage and it's Jimmy Butler over Michael Porter Jr. I feel like you've got if Miami's trying to win a game they have to attack Michael Porter Jr. defensively all game. Like they they cannot have him if Michael Porter Jr. is playing he's giving up 40 points that game. Yeah. Like like remember when we played him I was screaming from the rooftops like you have to attack Michael Porter Jr. he's not a good defender. Yeah. I think if they win it's because he's just like he Michael Porter scores 20 and Jimmy scores 45. So who guards Jimmy? KCP or uh Gordon? Oh yeah, I guess. Gordon. Yeah. Well, I was thinking Bruce Brown for some time too. Yeah, Bruce Brown's going to play a lot of minutes. I mean, the Nuggets have only been running six guys out there. Or seven guys, mm-hmm. that is. Uh, yeah. You got your starting five. You got Brown and, and Jeff Green. Um, so they And Bruce. Who? Well, Bruce would be eight because he's not a starter. Well, he's seven. Who's the other bench guy? Jeff Green and Christian Brown. Oh! Brown doesn't play that much. <laughs> I thought you were thinking of Christian, not Bruce. Sorry. Oh No, okay. Yeah, no, Bruce. Bruce, your yeah. sixth man. Yeah. Uh, and then Jeff Green's the seventh guy. And then, yeah, Brown, Christian Brown, which is spelled Braun, which I Braun. hate. And um, especially yeah. when you've got a Brown, this is what screws us up. But he he would be the eighth guy. But he, I mean, the three games, he did not play game four. He played 12 minutes in game one, five in game two, three in game three. Uh, and Steven just has given me a, an extremely interesting note. First time in 33 years that there is not an All NBA first team player in the NBA Finals, because remember oh, Joe, Joe Embiid got it this year. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. 33. Didn't years Jimmy ago. get three? Didn't he get a third team now this year? I think he got second team. <laughs> he got an All he NBA play, team. He didn't play half the games. I know. Like. I know. We well, we talked about this last time you were on. Yeah, there's no reason that, oh. that he should have <laughs> made an All NBA team. I mean, it looks like a no brainer now, but yeah. Going back playoffs to the regular don't count. season. Yeah, playoffs don't count. But, yeah, I think he was second team now that we're saying that. Jeez. But, yeah, I mean, Brown hardly played. Christian Brown hardly played in that series. He was he played he played significant – not significant, man. He was a rotation guy in the Phoenix series. He hardly played against I guess the I, I, I guess I just thought of the Phoenix series, you know. Yeah. I it, remember seeing him on the court. They basically ran se- – yeah, Butler was second team this year. Same team as uh, Nikola Jokic. <laughs> They're basically the same, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they basically ran seven guys. Now, the other big question about this is how much does that extended layoff play in here if you're Denver? When you're talking about when this final series kicks off on Thursday, they're going to have had like 10 days off. They might lose game one just because of yeah. they've been maxing and relaxing, and then they just go on a kind of like the 2001 uh, Lakers did to, to Philadelphia. Mm. Philly got game one and yeah. then. They just ran through them yeah. for two, three, four, five. I could see that happening. Yeah, I think Miami right now has got a lot of momentum. Denver probably a bit stale coming out. You know, they haven't they haven't played in a week and a half. I I could see them dropping game one, but yeah, I don't I don't see a scenario where they drop this series, and I don't really no. see a scenario where this is pushed to seven, because because Denver's not Boston, right? No. That's the thing is is Boston will let you do that. Boston's a wildly inconsistent team. That's not Denver. I know they didn't. Yeah, they like didn't Boston end the regular season the great, but they also had the West locked up. And they, you know you could argue you know they did kind of let Phoenix back in its series, but then they they closed it out emphatically after that games five and six, mm. and then they didn't give the Lakers a chance to to win a game. So Denver is not Boston. So Miami is going to have a really tall task to try to keep up with the Nuggets. And, yeah, I think game one's their best shot, even though it's going to be in the mile-high city. They're coming in with all the momentum, whereas Denver's been sitting around. But once this series... I feel like they have the juice for one game. Yeah. Yeah. They've been playing so many more minutes, so many more games. Like, they might have the juice for one game, and then it's just going to be like... They don't lay lay on the ground and die, but Denver has the, the, the each win pretty easily. Yeah. And you get the feeling that Miami would be in a lot better shape if they would have wrapped this up in four or five and gotten a yeah. little bit of chance to rest up. 
because this is an older team. I mean, Jimmy's what thirty five, I think. Kyle Lowry's forty seven. Thirty three. Yeah. I mean, this is an older team. I mean, yeah. Even your you talk about because even your your undrafted guys they were all 22 23 before they even came in the league you don't have yep. the the young hot shots on this team so yeah i think that the i think the the lack of rest is really going to catch up to miami as this series progresses now how do i you, mean i i, I think it's pretty cool that they can make an nba finals appearance and then get the 19th pick in the draft <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> huh? right? yeah yeah well that's what happens when you're an 8 seed but yeah yeah um now, what do you think of their rotation going in? So we'll write off uh, Tyler Hero for now, but you, you think you are, are you you're pl- probably adding Cody Zeller back in there, right? Is Kev- you have to, yeah, yeah. You have to. All the beef that you do have is going to have rotation minutes. Do you see Kevin Love playing in this series because he's not going to help you defensively? No, but he, if he can make Joker move defensively, I think that's a good thing. Okay. But you're giving up. Like, you're praying that Kevin Love scores more than Jokic in the time that he's on the court. Because he ain't stopping him. No. No way, but that's a good point. He'll at least make him work uh, yeah. on the defensive end, whereas I don't I don't think Cody Zeller is making uh, Jokic work on defense very much. No. no, no, no. <laughs> but, so, I mean, the bottom line is they're screwed. But <laughs> but a hell of a job to get here. Yeah. I'm, I would take a finals appearance in a very good pick in a draft. Especially because we thought they were done. Yeah, right. I mean, you look at them heading into the when, heading into Atlanta play, and it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, they're done, man. Like, okay, they'll take your, you know, take your sweep to the box and and blow it up, and and we'll move on. So now, what do you do if you're Miami going forward? Do you? I feel like you got to run it back at this point, right? You man, can't, you can't blow it up after you, because I, I would have thought they would. In a in a normal circumstance where they lose the Bucks, they're probably blowing it up, right? But once you make you this run, Ty- do you trade? Uh, um, uh, what's his face? Hero? Hero. Yeah. Ah, that's your future. He's been the guy that that was their future. But that you're, would you're be trying to win for Jimmy. That would be such an about face. I I don't think this team is good enough to. To come back next you need year him and for do the, the same regular thing. season, probably. Yeah. yeah, and I guess, I mean, I hate to call it a fluke, but Giannis did get hurt in round one. If he doesn't get hurt, I don't think the Bucks lose that series. Yeah, you know, Philly and Boston are just wildly inconsistent. I, mm-hmm. I, they're not. I don't see how you could run it back if you're. Well, I, I could see you running it back. I don't see how you could trade Tyler Hero because then you're going all in on this old-ass core and yep. because you made a Cinderella Finals run, and then if it all goes to hell next year, you're left with nothing. So yeah. I don't see how you can do that. Are we talking about the Blazers after they made the Western <laughs> Conference Finals, yeah. or are we talking about the Miami Heat yeah. now? Boom. Ah, man, that's what it <laughs> seems like, huh? We are going to take a quick break, and coming up on the other side, we will have our three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. This is Blazers Edge Radio on X-Ray FM. Support for X-Ray comes from Pizza Cat, located at 2174 West Burnside Street. Open for dine-in, takeout, and delivery on Wednesday through Saturday evenings. Naturally 11 crusts and local organic ingredients. Vegan and gluten-free options always available. Online ordering available for pickup at pizzacat.com with a K or delivery available through Caviar and DoorDash. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Spielman Bagels and Coffee. Opened by Rick Spielman and his son, Raph, Spielman has been serving handmade boiled and baked bagels and coffee since 2011. Their flagship store can be found on Southeast 21st and Division, or find one of their other shops on Northwest 23rd and Lovejoy, Northeast 22nd and Broadway, or in Multnomah Village. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Vortex Music Magazine, a chronicle of Portland's musical Vortex, both in print and online, featuring concert photography, a live music calendar, and stories of the Portland music scene. You can receive the print mag in the mail each quarter and get swept up in the Vortex at vrtxmag.com. 
Back at it here on Blazers Edge Radio. Ryan Buchanan, Dylan Sage filling in today for Sam, who is on the road. Now time for three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. They've been located in southeast Portland since 2004. They make craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, the Coors, and more. Their spirits are available in their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street, as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. More information is available at NewDealDistillery.com. Sage, we didn't get your prediction for the final. I say Nuggets in five. Are you going Nuggets in, in five? Or are you four? I feel like uh, before we talked about it, I was like, the Nuggets are just so much better. But then, like, I, I I feel like they might lose game one and then just demolish them for the rest of the series. So I'm I'm changing my prediction from four O sweep to a gentleman sweep. Gentleman sweep. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it going too. With that, it's time for three questions, and now we're gonna switch gears a little bit here. Hop on the NBA coaching carousel. And we're going to be starting off talking about the father of uh, your favorite prospect from last year's draft, Mr. Yes, Adrian sir. Griffin Sr., who is now the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, he has had, he, you probably remember him from his playing days, played on the Mavs, the, he played on a bunch of teams, really, but he played for like about 10 years, 99. He played with the, the Derrick Rose Bulls, too, right? Uh, yeah, 06 to he had two different stints in Chicago, 04 to 05, and then 06 to 08. Uh, so I forgot who the coach was during that time, but he offered Arian, no, he offered AJ's dad, um, a uh, assistant coach contract after he retired. So that's where he got his start. There was an, I listened to an interview with uh, Adrian and he was very mo- uh, like motivating, cared about people. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that he was he was one of those assistant coaches that is the very deserving of a coaching. Uh, yeah, uh, and he's been at it a long time because he retired mm-hmm. in 08 and as you said, immediately went into coaching. Um, well, he became an assistant uh, first under Scott Skiles. There um, we go, Scott. In, in Milwaukee for two years. And then he was with Chicago forever under Tibbs. A year in Orlando, a couple years in OKC, and now he's been with the Raptors for five years now. His first year was that championship season that they had mm. when they beat the Golden State Warriors. So he's obviously got the credentials with the mm-hmm. you know, 15 year. This is no Chauncey Billups where he has you know half a year as an assistant coach. <laughs> but I ask you, Sage, does this make sense given kind of the Bucks timeline? They're in win now mode. It's a lot to ask for a first-time head coach to hit the ground running where you're immediately in a championship or bust uh, situation. This is uh, is this the right fit? I felt like when I when I did the research on him because what the Blazers were looking for a head coach a few years ago, I felt was very very impressed with how, what Adrian is as a human being, treats the players with respect. I think that. This might be a high-pressure situation, but I think that he has the confidence and the people skills to make it happen. So okay. as as scary as it would be for people that don't know him as like a player or as a person, it's scary. But I, I the way that he's talked and the way that he's supported his family, it makes me think that he's ready for this type of very, very public coaching stuff. Well, so he's I, been- I, I'm, He's been around, so he's obviously going to have the respect of the players. I mean, you know, 15 yeah. years as an assistant coach. He's been in the NBA as a since '99, going immediately after his playing career, he became a coach. But this is just such a tough spot for him. I oh, yeah, certainly absolutely. think he's certainly deserving of a coaching job, uh, probably way before now. But mm-hmm. God, that's a tough first stop to come in there right off the bat. And again, it is championship or bust. Like this is there's no there's no other option for Milwaukee. Is you've got Giannis Antetokounmpo, you've got Chris Middleton, uh, you've been Green. upset. Uh, you Drew Holiday, yes, you've been upset uh, way earlier than you should have been. Two straight years now after winning the championship. Anything short of a title is going to be a disappointment, and that's a really tough thing to go into as your first head coaching job. I'm very excited, and I want to see what type of coaches he brings onto his staff. Because, I mean, even 
Chauncey brought in Scotty Brooks, who is a veteran head coach, even though but he's not a good I think Scotty Brooks coach. is one of the worst coaches ever. <laughs> he's, he's a bad, he was a veteran. Yeah. He's been around, but he's not any good. Exactly. So I'm, I want to know what type of connections Griffin has yeah. for, like, who who's going to be on his staff? Because it's not just the head coach. It's the entire staff. So that, I mean, that's why I was so upset with Chauncey when he brought in his staff. It wasn't that good. No. So if Adrian can bring in a really good staff, like Doc Rivers might not be the best coach in the world, but his staffs are always excellent. Well, like, What Sam about bringing Vassell, in Doc? What about bringing in yeah. Doc as an assistant? I don't think I don't he'll know do he, it. Yeah, I don't think he would do it. But like, I, I'm very, like all of these rookie head coaches. Yeah, I want to see what the staff they they bring in is. Well, Scott Skiles only 59. Maybe call him up, see what he's doing. He's yeah, been, he's I've, been out of the league for a few years, but he was your he was your original mentor. Maybe year one that. with Scott Skiles is always good. Year two, three, four is always pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, second question uh, is relating to uh, Griffin's former boss in Toronto. He is now the head man for the Sixers as the Philadelphia swapping the chairs on the deck. They are moving on from Doc Rivers, and they're going Nick Nurse. Is this the right fit for the for the Sixers? And how surprised are you that the Raptors, to tie into that last question, didn't try to lock up Adrian Griffin, who had been on the staff the last five years, to fill their still vacant coaching spot. So first, I think Nick Nurse will be good. Like I, he he definitely isn't going to a rebuilding team. He wants to compete now. I think the Philadelphia 76ers can do that. I think I think this helps Tyrese Maxey a lot. I, I mean, James Harden, there's all these question marks, will he's there or won't he? But I think that Nick Nurse will be very, very good for Tyrese Maxey's development. So I, I think that this is a good place for them to be in terms of like a whole team. And if if he can get Joel Embiid to play hard all the time, I think this is a very good coaching hire. I, I don't know why they, the Raptors didn't let Adrian have his time, but... I mean, he, he found himself a very, very uh, high-pressure but high-talented situation. Yeah, I'd rather Milwaukee. go to Milwaukee. Yeah. But, yeah, I, the Nick Nurse thing, you know, he obviously won his championship his first year uh, with, you know, Dwayne Casey's guy. Dwayne Casey kind of set that up. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for kind of laying the foundation mm-hmm. there. He was he was let go after winning coach of the year. But So Nick Nurse, you know, won it first year on the job. He had a really talented team, got Kawhi Leonard. He has failed to live up to expectations every year since then. I kind of question if he is really that good of a coach or if he just had a special group of players and he didn't screw it up that first year. I mean, like they went boxing one in the finals against Steph Curry. So I think that strategically Nick Nurse is very good. But, but the the Raptors dreadfully underperformed this year. Uh, this year especially, they they should have been so much better than they were with the talent on that roster. I mean, Fred Van Vliet, Fred Van Vliet was pretty bad for most of the year. Like I think it was the transition year where Pascal Siakam just took on all the responsibilities, and he might not be the guy that can do the, the alpha alpha thing. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I Nick Nurse I think is a good coach. Is he able to lead them where Doc Rivers? It was couldn't? just a weird situation. I think so. Like Doc, Doc just doesn't incentivize the three enough. Mm. Like that's one of his biggest issues. Is he just doesn't? He's not about twenty twenty three basketball. He's he, a dinosaur. He reverts to other things. Where I think that yeah, Nick Nurse is very you know up to par on what you know the the where basketball is going because he helps set it up, you know? So I think that that helps him. Okay. So that's it. You're saying it's an upgrade. Yeah, I do. So they, they I mean, with you, you got to figure Milwaukee will be back. You got to figure Boston will be back. So you're looking best case scenario. You're tr- you're playing for third. Are you good? At, is this team good enough? James Harden, I'm going to guess is gone. Is this team good enough to, Stay with the Milwaukee's and the Boston's of the world. I think they have. Uh, I think it's possible. I think Tyrese has to take a pretty big step. Yeah. I think that they have to be really smart on how they allocate contracts next year. But I think it's possible. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll see. I I think Cleveland will pass them up this year. I think they've just got too much talent to, there. They have to make up for that small forward spot. But I think that other is also very possible. Cleveland? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's their only question mark, though. Philly's got, like, four. Mm-hmm. Philly is, uh, you've got Joel Embiid, who's great. You've got Tyree Smaxey, who's pretty good. And then what else, assuming Harden Lee is, what else do you really have? You got a bunch Tobias of role players. He plays like a third option. Yeah. But he be, kind of became the forgotten man. I mean, yeah, I guess yeah, I know. you need him to go back to the Tobias Harris of old exactly. when you first brought him in because he was pretty much an afterthought this year. Absolutely. I, I just, it's super dependent on if Tyrese Maxey takes that next step. He, yeah, that's the key is because you, you've you got the next guy there, but he's got to be able to take over for Harden and and be better than Harden. That's what I don't need. think that he – I think he's a combo guard that doesn't – shouldn't. I, he, he's a point guard that okay. can break down the defense. Okay. I don't so, think he's – I don't think he's a full-time one. So do you get a one or do you run I it back with Harden? Like Devin, is there somebody better in free agency that they can afford than Harden? I don't. I don't think there is. It, well, I, I, but if you're trying, if well, you're trying to get Tyrese Maxey, you need to have a point guard with him. Let me. He's just like let, okay. Let me throw this one at you. All right. What if you can get uh-huh. Scoot Henderson and you pair Scoot oh, well and Tyrese Maxey and you ship off Joel Embiid to Portland? You can have Anthony Simons too. You can have Nurk too. How does that work? I mean, I mean, Scoot would probably be one of the best guys to play with Tyrese. Okay, there you it, go. It, it, Tyrese is like those those Kentucky guards that they're combo guards and they shouldn't they shouldn't dribble the ball and be the alpha. Like even Booker used to have the same struggles that Tyrese Maxey did. When they meet pressure, they fold. So I think that you got to have somebody that's used to pressure. So if it's Scoot, if it's James, if it's anybody else, I think that that helps Tyrese Maxey hit the Well, next James step. historically has not been good in pressure. That's kind of the big knock on I him mean, throughout his season, career. Yeah, he, he's been great. Oh, but, but there's, no, there's no pressure in the regular season. You look at the Miami Heat. They were awful, and they get the eighth seed, and they roll into the finals. That tells you all you need to know about the regular season. I was talking about defensive pressure, not actual basketball. Oh, pressure. okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. I got to get to the third question here. We're hopping off the coaching carousel because we got uh, a big story coming out this morning. Bob Myers, the GM of the Warriors since 2011, stepping down. Very surprising. He's like 48 years old. I think he's not very old. Does no. this signal the end of the Warriors dynasty as we know it? I've shocked Maybe? Him. I've stumped him. Maybe. Because, I mean, he, he was he's the guy that put that team yep. together. Yeah, 2011. He, that would have, when was, I think Curry was drafted in 2010. So I think he inherited Curry, but everybody else he drafted. Yeah. So I, I it's not the end of it, but in a year, if you ask me that, then we would agree that yes, this was the start of the collapse of the team. But there's still chances to build upon this current roster, even though they're all getting older. I think there's a way to build upon this roster. But the so. fact, but the fact that he is stepping away tells me that they've reached the mountaintop and they're on their way downhill. I mean, four championships in however many years. Yeah, they probably have reached the championship. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Steph's still awesome. He's if old. they can find a way to pair him with some legitimate talent that I think they could make it a few more years, but it's all dependent on Steph's health. Yeah, well, they've had a really tough time finding good, consistent young talent. Mm-hmm. Right? Wiseman didn't work. Moses Moody, I don't know. The book's still out, but I'm not feeling great about that. Jordan Poole is wildly inconsistent. They they need to find some they need to find some really good I mean Kaminga is probably the best guy out of all of them. I yeah. mean, um, and I don't think I, I mean, 
I think he's a role he's player. Yeah, he's not, you know, he was, I think, the seventh pick. Yeah. He's not who they envisioned to be. He's not a future star, but he's a, a role player. They, yeah. they haven't done a great job of building around that core as they get older, bringing in younger guys to help them. You know, we saw last year they did a good job bringing in veteran guys like a Gary Payton, like a Otto Porter to complement your older guys. But they're, everybody's getting older and you don't have enough young talent there to be able to to keep this thing going when the Currys and the Thompsons and the Draybonds are gone. Yeah, and then like the whole Wigan definitely hurt them as well. Like him not playing for like about about a month. So hopefully for them, like they they can have one more legitimate run with Wiggy playing, you know, the 80 games that he should. Yeah, and he's only 28, so he's not that old. I, I mean, like, he got a BS All-Star bid, but he's still a very good player. Oh, he resurrected his career, and he yeah. was a huge part of the championship last year. Yeah, no question about it. All right, that was three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. All right, we got nine-ish minutes left, Sage, so we'll talk draft. Yeah. So before we get to what the Rockets should do at number four, um, we uh, – I want to get to what we just talked about a, a few minutes ago with the potential of a Joel Embiid for the number three pick, assuming it's Scoot Henderson. Because, I mean, really, that, uh-huh. w- that would make a lot of sense for both teams, as you talked about, right? My question to you is if you're I mean, able to make that move, <laughs> go for it. If we were to make move, do it? I- I think that Joel Embiid is the type of guy, the guy that I would trade Scoot Henderson for. He's very good. But so I, I I think that you're getting the value that Scoot Henderson could provide. But could Chauncey win with all the could Chauncey Billups win with all those tools? If you gave him Joel Embiid, Damian Lillard, Shaden Sharp, uh uh Jeremy, Jeremy Grant, you know, whoever starts in your small forward or power forward if you bring in yeah, yeah somebody throw in somebody that's more than enough talent to get it done you would think but can Chauncey do it probably not <laughs> I, I just have zero confidence in him so probably not so I guess the whole question is is this all just a moop's point because you've got a bad coach anyways yes <laughs> but like even like bro I, I think there's so many players in this draft that Chauncey Billups is going to ruin like he'll ruin both Thompson twins. He'll ruin Anthony Black. He's going to ruin so many players because he's not a good coach and isn't creative. Well, in the lottery, there's probably four who he wouldn't ruin. Brandon Jar- Jarris. The top Wimby three and Jarris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you can't mess up Jarris Walker. You really can't. <laughs> no, he's good. He's good. Yeah. He's not going to be a blazer, though. Uh, I... But, I if you can make I a trade, though, for, what if you could make a trade and involved in that trade is Nick Nurse? <laughs> oh, I mean, if we can get a if we can get a competent coach, yeah, I think we could win a chip. I think if you find a way to get Joel Embiid, you have to fire Chauncey Billups. Yeah, if we got like, I'm just gonna say my my, my coaching boyfriend. If we got Charles Lee, I'd feel like, oh, we can win a chip. Charles. <laughs> Yeah, I mean somebody. I'd take anybody at this point over over almost anybody. I wouldn't take Scott Brooks. But, yeah, I mean, but like, I would take any competent coach, and I think that they could win with Damon Joel Embiid. Yeah, and then the 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 buyout candidates, the ring chasers. Like, yeah. I think you can build a really good second half. Team. Oh, you're gonna get some guys if you can get Joel and, and Dame together. You're gonna yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna have gonna guys lining up to come. Twenty twenty three. Yeah. All right, let's talk number four because we know it, it, one is obviously Wembignana, two is probably Miller and or Scoot, and in that case, Miller would be three. One through mm-hmm. three is decided. What mm-hmm. do the Rockets look to do as four? Because they've got some young talent, but I don't feel like they're super tied to anybody. I mean, Sengun's nice. I'm not. Green. He's okay. I'm not huge on Jalen Green, um, but he, I mean, he's fine. But I, I just think if you're um, he, you know, Jamari Smith did not have a good year. I if you're no. if you're Houston, you can't be feeling very good about yourself right now. I think they try and trade up to two. I think that's the number one thing they're trying to do. Okay. To get. But why would Charlotte do that? 
because they don't feel comfortable with Scoot and they don't feel comfortable with Brandon Miller. Why don't they feel comfortable with Brandon Miller? Because of the incident that happened. Oh, we've talked about I don't think Charlotte cares about that. I mean... They were ready to bring Miles Bridges back halfway through last year. I, Bro, being a team that has both Brandon Miller and potentially bringing Miles Bridges back is a lot. Yeah, I don't but think... But if they do, I mean, like, oh, good for them. I don't think they care. I think Charlotte is so desperate to be relevant that they are... <laughs> they're ready to check any morals they have at the door. I, I, don't, I think that's a non-factor for them. I, God, I, that's sad to you. Well, it, do you disagree? Dis, <sighs> do they strike you as the franchise that would care about something like that? I hope. I, I would hope so, but probably not. Probably not. I yeah. think Brandon Miller would be a very good pairing with Lamelo Ball. Yeah, I really do. And that's what it's going to come down to. So, uh, okay, assuming that he's not, assuming you don't trade up, because I don't think you're going to be able to Amen trade Thompson up. Is who Houston goes. That's with. the guy. Yeah. And what are the I mean, does he immediately become your top prospect then? Yeah. I mean, he's like a hundredth percentile athlete with really, really like Lamelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton type of passing at a six six body with all the athleticism and defense that you could possibly want. His shooting was really bad, but in all the videos we're seeing it's an improved jump shot. But if he just is able to demand a closeout, he could be an all-star caliber point guard. Do you see him coexisting with the Jalen Green? I feel like Jalen Green would do really well with him because Jalen Green is a really good cutter off ball. So he would do a lot more off ball work. And a man is that type of passer that can set him and Sangoon. And I don't think Jabari's, I mean, if they don't trade Jabari, he'll set him up. Tari Eason. I feel like a men Thompson would be a very good Houston rocket and a very good. Yeah. Uh, you know, secondary prize if they can't get Scoot Henderson. Yeah, I don't think they're getting Scoot. Um, and so, and also, there's nobody that you would want if you're Portland to trade for that third pick. They haven't. They they're not any good. There's nobody. There there's no needle movers that we talked about. I can't ima- imagine a package they could come up with to get the third pick. I uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I think they want the guaranteed chance at Scoot. So yeah. I don't know. I, I I'm. I don't want Jabari. I think Jalen's all right. Yeah, I don't think they have enough to make me if give up the chance at Scoop. And then that's just and then five. If you're Detroit, Jarris Walker kind of falls into your lap here, and he you got to imagine he'd be a great fit with the with the little core they built up with Jalen Duran, who had a really nice year. You've got uh, your backcourt. You figure you're set with Cade Cunningham coming back. Uh, paired with uh, Jaden Ivey, you can add a, a a legitimate four to that stretch. Now you're looking at you've got four fifths of a of a legit starting lineup going forward. Yeah, I I feel like they might have too many bigs though. They traded for Bagley. They traded for Wiseman. yeah, but you're not going to pass up on Walker because you got Bagley. And they, I feel like Jonathan Stewart is a very if Jarris Walker is a disappointment, he's beef stew. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but the, you keep Stewart. Fine. He's your he's your first big off the bench. I mean, if it was me, I would take him. But I wouldn't be mad if they took uh, a Sore Thompson. Yeah. But yeah. I think Jarris would be awesome. I mean, Jarris is going to be awesome regardless. I would go because Osir is a playmaker, right? He, he can be. He can be. I thought that was his calling card. I thought. No, that's a man. Is that okay? Is the, okay, the I get him. I get. I get him mixed yeah. up. So a sir, a sir. The holy backboard is going to do a Thompson twin <laughs> hey, podcast. There we go. When's that coming up? Uh, we're gonna record Wednesday. We just. And if anybody's interested, we just released a Brandon Miller episode during this podcast. So well, based off everything I've ever heard you say about Brandon Miller, I'm guessing it's not glowing. I said he was a B plus player that could be an A. Okay. But the, you're talking Thompson twin. Now I'll have to catch this out because I am stupid when it comes to the Thompson twins. So I will have to obviously, as I guess mixed up. <laughs> but so I will have to check that out. That's coming out Friday, probably Thursday night because I get excited. But yes, so it'll be future it'll be Fridays on a Thursday night. So a little. Well, little there's a future early. Fridays released on a Tuesday. So okay, okay. <laughs> and where can folks find that? We're on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcast, everywhere where you listen to podcasts 
type in holy backboard we'll be there this is our 400 no this is our 342nd episode wow so we've been we've been there doing the uh, podcast game for a very long time but uh yeah brandon miller should be out now and then the thompson twins will be the be the uh thursday friday okay well the blazers worked out the thompson twins i think either yesterday or today they're working them out so you'll have to check that out for sure sags thanks for stopping by my man absolutely thank you for having me peace all right that's gonna do it for us we will be back at it next tuesday we'll talk the first couple games of the finals hopefully it's not a dud as the conference finals were that's next tuesday on blazers edge radio flying saucer safari is coming up next on x-ray fm